Most gracious Heavenly Father, it is truly a privilege and a joy to be able to come here and share your truth and love with the men and women in this room. <clears throat> and there's not a single one of us here that does not need your truth, your love, uh, your grace, your mercy. And so we open up the scriptures tonight to seek that from you. Father, forgive us when we fall short. Forgive us when we forget uh, what it is that you have done for us to save us and to keep us safe. And so I pray that as we share these words tonight, that you will help us to receive this truth, help us to believe this truth, and give us the strength and the willingness to walk in this truth. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I think that I want to try to use for my key text for tonight, um, go turn to the book of Galatians, and look at, let's look at Galatians 2. Verses 20 and 21, um, this should be a familiar passage to you. I'm sure that most of you have probably heard someone give a lecture or a class on this passage of Scripture. I just want to use this basically for, for an opening or foundational text, and then we're going to kind of bounce around in the Scriptures and talk about some things and see if we can't pick out some things to see uh, throughout uh, the analogy of faith. So look with me, if you will, in Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 20 and 21. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Okay, so what Paul's doing here in the book of Galatians, he is rebuking a group of people who have said that now that you have been saved, now that you have been born again, Now that you have been regenerated and now that the Spirit of God lives inside of you and you are sealed in His love and His mercy and His eternal life, even though all of those things have taken place in your life, you men need to be circumcised according to the law of Moses in order to maintain your salvation. So think about what he's saying. God has done a work in your life And there is a certain work that you need to do to enhance the work of God. Now, look what he says in verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. What does it mean to nullify something? Make it void. That's the exact definition I would look for. Thank you very much. If you nullify something, you make it void. What is the grace of God? We've talked about this over and over again. Grace is a gift. Grace is a gift from God. Grace is a gift from God that you do not deserve and you cannot earn. It is a gift that is offered to all and it is a gift given to those who receive it. Okay? Let me say that again. Grace is a gift. Grace is a gift from God. Grace is a gift that you do not deserve and you cannot earn. It's offered to all and those who receive it benefit from it. Once you have God's grace, you cannot lose it. Grace is a promise from God. 
Your salvation is based on God's promise to you, not your promise to God. Let me say that again loud and clear. Your salvation is based on a promise that God has made to you, not a promise you have made to God. Can I be any clearer with that? All right, good. Because there are certain people that think that it is something you do that saves you. Like giving your heart to Jesus or going down an aisle and praying a prayer or asking Jesus to come into your heart or whatever you might say. Uh, Go and give all of your money away and give it to the poor or sober up and be good. You see, a lot of people are convinced that there's something that we've got to do in order to be saved. But look what Paul said right there. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, if righteousness comes through my works, then Christ has died needlessly. Some of your texts will say Christ has died in vain. Okay? Think about what he's saying. If my righteousness comes by following the law, then Jesus died in vain. Because if I could do it, He didn't need to. If I could have followed the law, there's no reason for Him to die for me. Because if I have followed the law, then that means I am perfect. I am righteous in God's eyes. The law is God's standard of what is right. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the one thing that separates you as a blood-bought, regenerated, born-again child of God and the rest of the world and all of the religions that are out there is all of those religions out there are teaching you this is what you have to do to get to God. Did did y'all do baptisms this year at Easter? Did y'all go? Oh man, that's sad. But so baptism, right? There are some people that believe that you have to be baptized in water, or you will not go to heaven. It's called baptismal regeneration. They believe that the act of being baptized in that water is actually washing away your sins. What's the problem with that? It's the problem with that is that it's the blood of Christ that washed away your sins. Are you with me? Now, I am a Baptist, and you need to be submerged. You need to go under the water. They did not sprinkle dirt on Jesus, lay him out on the ground, and sprinkle dirt on him. I'm not one of the sprinklers, all right? You need to be baptized because by being baptized, you are showing, you are symbolizing what has happened in your life. I am crucified with Christ. What happens when we get crucified? We what? Die. And what happened to Christ when He died? He was buried. He was submerged in death. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And when you come out of the water, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, it's a preaching of the gospel. It's the first opportunity that you get to go before your family and your friends and your loved ones and take a stand for Christ. And say, it's not about me anymore, it's about Him. He died for me, so now I am dying to me and living for Him. So that baptism is a very important thing. Matter of fact, Jesus commanded the disciples to go out and teach all things that He commands, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, it's important to be baptized. But your baptism does not save you. 
If your baptism saved you, then that means that you've done something to acquire your righteousness. And your righteousness comes through what Christ has done for you. Okay? So when he says, I do not nullify the grace of God, if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died needlessly. So what is he saying? God has saved me. He's filled me with His Spirit. He's sealed me. He cut up in my heart and ripped that heart of stone out of me and gave me a heart of flesh. And He washed me clean and filled me with His Spirit and made me a child. I was born again. It was His work. And there is nothing that I can do to enhance that. It's all by God's grace. Not only that, the life that you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. The rest of your life is going to be God working His life out in you. So, does that mean that if God is the one doing all of the work that I don't need to pray and I don't need to uh, go to church and fellowship and take communion and, and, and uh, take advantage of the means of grace that God has given me, communion, baptism, fellowship, prayer, the preaching and the reading of the Word of God, are those things that I don't have to do anymore? Well, I don't have to do them, but I want to do them. And what happens is, if the Spirit of God is inside of you, then your life is going to show that. It's going to, it's going to be fruitful and it's going to show that God is at work in your life. And it's not going to be according to your efforts. Right? How many of you have ever tried to read your Bible at night before you went to bed and fell asleep trying to read your Bible? Or trying to pray and read your Bible? Trying to pray and go to sleep and fell asleep. Right? I do that all the time. Right? Well, I can tell you this. When you fall asleep praying, it's because you're praying in your strength and not His. And He's showing you how weak you are without Him. Okay? But there are going to come times in your life when you're at rock bottom and there's nowhere to turn and there's just going to be a lot of snot and blubber and wailing and not looking up and not making excuses and, and oh God, if you don't help me, I'm going to die. Right? Well, that's when God's Spirit is at work in your life. You're recognizing it's not about you, it's about Him. It's recognizing that you need Him. And that's the part of that crucified life. That life where I'm constantly dying to self and living for Christ. I'm constantly dying to self and living for Christ. So let's look at that passage one more time and then we'll turn over to another passage. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer who? Ah, all right. I want y'all to remember that word. There was an old preacher man uh, back in the fifties and sixties. His name was Vernon McGee, and he used to say people suffer from perpendicular itis. Right? What does that mean? You live a self-centered life. It's about you. Right? If you don't believe me, you do this little test with some of your friends here at, at uh, here at the mission. Next time y'all are out there uh, coking and joking or smoking or whatever you're doing out there, listen to what somebody's saying. Listen to what somebody's saying and see how many times, and just, just kind of look down at your watch. Some of you got some nice watch on. Look down at your watch and look at the second hand. And for about two minutes, time the person that's talking and see how many times they say, I, me, and my. Mm. All right? And then once you get, uh, once you get tired of uh, plucking the splinters out of your brother's eye, put that clock on you <laughs> and see how much you talk about you. Are you with me? We are naturally self-centered. And this crucified life means I'm dying to self. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. 
And what else does that mean? I'm dying to my past life. How many of y'all have been reading, how many of y'all have gone through and read the Old Testament and seen how many times the children of Israel say, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in this wilderness? At least when we were in Egypt, we had onions and leeks and melons and we'd rather have been slaves and at least we had a good life. Right? And I can tell you from personal experience that some of you are going to get out of here and those nightclubs and that old lifestyle is going to come calling and it's going to be attractive. You're going to think about it. You're going to be thinking about what are my friends, let me put that in quotation mark, what are my friends out there doing tonight? Well, you know what they're doing? They're dying. And they're under the wrath of God. And thankfully, He saved you. And you've been crucified with Christ. And it's not time for you to live anymore. It's time for Christ to live through you. And Christ don't live in the clubs. Right? Christ don't live sneaking around with somebody else's girlfriend or boyfriend. Right? Christ doesn't live that way. He loves the law, His Father's law, and His Father's will is what He wants to do. And if He's at work in you, you're going to see that happening in your life. Now, um, are you going to struggle? Yes, you certainly are. But let's look, um, flip with me really quickly over to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 24. Galatians chapter 6. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. Alright, so if y'all are familiar with any of the book of Galatians, right before 5.24, um, Paul gives us the, the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. Have you, the fruit of the, it's one a singular, fruit of the Spirit. Um, he says this, uh, verse 18, um, uh, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Well, let's start at 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Alright, so there's two ways you can walk. What are the two ways you can walk? In the Spirit, spirit and in the flesh. Alright, what's wrong with walking in the flesh? Your flesh is hanging on the cross with Christ. You're supposed to be crucified to that. You're not, it's dead. Dead men aren't supposed to walk. Alright, you're being a zombie. That's dead. You're to walk in the Spirit. And so what Paul's going to do here is going to say, this is what it looks like to walk in the flesh, and this is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Look what he says in verse um, 17. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these two things are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Oh my. You mean I please to do those things? You better believe you please to do those things. Your flesh is so strong, the only way that you can win is to kill it. Guys, I hadn't, I hadn't messed with dope in 11... I'm, I've been sober for a, about 11 years now. And I can be riding down the road today and somebody can come by me smoking dope and I can tell you what grade it is. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like 11 years since I've even touched it. But I can still smell it in my mind and my body immediately goes back to that. Goes back to thinking that. Why? Because that flesh is, is dying. And those thoughts and those feelings and those emotions are, are dead thoughts. They're, they're thoughts of death. Now my flesh is going to try to convince me that, boy, that's life. That's living. You see? But what you need to do is you need to do what the children of Israel needed to do and remember what it was like to be a slave to sin. Mm. 
remember what it was like to constantly have the sheriff over knocking on your door. Remember what it was like to constantly be looking around on your back over your shoulder because you owed everybody money. And what it was like to avoid your family and your friends because you were living the wrong way. And what it was like to, to not be in control. To have uh, an idol in your life that was literally making you its slave. You need to remember what it was like to be in bondage to sin because that's all the flesh offers you. So you either walk in the flesh or you walk in the spirit. If you find yourself walking in the flesh, what are you supposed to do? You crucify it. You kill it. That was an ugly scene on the cross. I guarantee you the last couple of weeks since Easter, somebody's coming here and taught you all the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Y'all had to have heard that in the last two weeks. Right? We're going to look at it in just a minute. But look what he says in Galatians um, 5 and verse uh, 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are these. Immorality and impurity and sensuality. That sensuality word is a big word. What is sensuality? It means to be led by your senses. You are chasing after the things that look good, smell good, taste good, sound good, and feel good. That's what it means to be sensual. That's what Eve did in the garden. She turned from God's truth and saw that the fruit was desirable to eyes and delightful to the eyes and desirable to make one wine and she took the fruit and she ate it. She turned away from truth and went with what she felt. Her senses. Her sensual nature. And guys, every bad decision that you have ever made in your life is chasing after something that looked good, smelled good, tasted good, sounded good, or felt good, or a combination of all of the above. And what did it bring? Death. See? Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Who knows what that word is? Have they taught you all that in here? In the Greek, the word sorcery is pharmakia. Hmm. What do we get? What 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 English word do we use? Pharmacy. Pharmacy, drugs, right? It means to use chemicals to find a different state. Witchcraft, pharmakia, right? Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and the like things which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom. Remember what he said? Why? Because this flesh and blood is cursed. Adam is under a curse. And there's nothing we can do to give him CPR and make him come back to life. You can't. It don't work. It's the spirit that gives life. So what does he say? He says, but the fruit of the spirit... Is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and meekness and self-control and faithfulness and long-suffering. Against such things there is no law. So watch what Paul just said right there. If you're walking in the Spirit, the law can't condemn you. If you're walking in the Spirit, the law can't condemn you. Let me let me give you a a, a life application for that. How many times has somebody come up to you and said, is it okay for me to smoke if I'm a Christian? Is it okay for me to drink if I'm a Christian? Is it okay for me to live with my significant other if we're not married? Is it okay for me to, is it okay for me to, is it okay for me to? Right? 
When you are led by the Spirit, you never ask that question. Now listen, you're, um, you're smoking, uh, you're tattooed, all of those things, those are personal liberties, those are between you and God. I'm not here to condemn you for anything that you do like that. That is a personal decision that you make. But any time that you ask a question, is it okay, what that should tell you is that your conscience is telling you there's something that's not okay. Because nobody, in all the years of me counseling with these people, I've never had somebody come up to me and say this. Is it okay for me to love my parents? Is it okay for me to obey my parents? Is it, is it okay for me to go to work and, 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 and earn a living? Is it okay for me? You see what I'm saying? Like people don't ask that question when there's not something spurring their conscience. So when the law is applied, that's when we get uneasy. Because the law is saying guilty, guilty, guilty. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. What Paul is saying here is that when you're walking in the flesh, the law is going to beat you down. That's all it knows how to do. All the law knows how to do is condemn you and put you in the grave. Kill you. It can't make you a better person. It just shows you when you're bad. And so if you are under the law, you are under condemnation. And if you are walking in the flesh, you are under the law. But if you're walking in the Spirit, there's no condemnation out of those who are in Christ, right? There's a freedom that comes with walking in the Spirit. And so we need, to, we need to check our walk. How am I walking? Am I walking in the flesh or am I walking in the Spirit? And what I do is I go to the Word of God and if my life is full of anger or envy... Right? Hey, guys, did you know that being sitting here in this room right now today and wishing you were at the house with your family is envy? Did you know that's envious? Did you know that? That's envy. I don't want to be here. I want to be with them. I'm not happy with my situation how it is right now. It's envy. Strife. Wrath. There's no strife ever in this house, is there? Hey, Miss Jones. Is there any strife in the house? No. No, because y'all are walking in the Spirit all the time. There's nobody here walking in the flesh. I don't believe that. Right? So, I'm good. It's good. It's okay. It's very good to see you, Joan. God bless you. Um, so, the Bible gives me a standard. It says if you're walking in the flesh, then there's going to be anger, wrath, envy, strife, jealousy, heresy, sedition, drunkenness, and carousing. There's going to be those things happening in your life. They're going to be in your thoughts. They're going to be in your words. They're going to be in your actions. But if you're walking in the Spirit, there's going to be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but God's, I can promise you, I walk in the flesh all the time. I constantly am reminded that I am being fleshly. You see? Well, why is that? It's because the Spirit of God is in me, and He's teaching me to walk away from the flesh and walk in the Spirit, to kill the old man that I used to be. And how is that old man killed? Through truth. Through grace. And here's another little hint for you. The longer you live and walk in Christ, the more aware you're not walking with Him you're going to be. Say that again. 
the longer you live and walk with Christ, the more He will make you aware that you're not walking enough with Him. Like, and it's not a condemning thing, it's a convicting thing. Condemnation would get me to run away from Christ. Conviction gets me to run to Him. Wow. You see? Yeah. And the devil's going to condemn you and tell you how bad you are and no, oh, look at those thoughts you had. and That's condemnation. And remember... If you're in the Spirit, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. It's only that old man that has that condemnation. So the only way the devil has that power over you to condemn you is if you're walking in the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit, there's no condemnation. He can't say anything to you. Because Christ took all of His power away on the cross. He has no power over you. You have no power here, right? What is that old movie? One of the movies on there. That was a wizard. He stood. You have no power here, right? The devil don't have any power over you when you're in the spirit. But how many of us get in our pity pot, right? And we get in the flesh. Oh me, poor me. Nobody cares. Oh boy, right? Yeah. And so think about your walk. That that was kind of one of the things I wanted to because why? Because it helps me to understand if I'm walking in Christ or walking in the flesh. If I'm walking in the flesh, what am I supposed to do? Crucify it. And how is it crucified? Through truth, through the power of the Spirit of God, and through God's grace working in your life. And if He is at work in your life, you will die to the old man that you used to be, or old I don't want to call you old woman. That sounds really mean. But to the when I say old man, I'm talking about mankind, okay? I'm, it's, that's not a gender-specific term. To the old person that you used to be, when, when, you, when you're dying to that, you're living for Christ, and you'll know it. You, you'll know. And the more that you grow, and the more that you fill your head with God's truth, the more that you fill your heart and your life with these truths, the more evident it'll become, and the, the more aware you'll be, and the more power you'll have to walk the right way. Because His Word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path, right? It's a guide. It's a compass. It tells me the way to go. It shows me how I'm supposed to go. And so we need to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and crucify the flesh. And so look at that. uh, With that said, look at 524. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ. What does that mean? There's an old hymn that says, Now I belong to Jesus. Now I belong to Him. I, I, I don't know the words to it, but what does it mean to belong to Him? Serving. Serving. Well, you do serve Him if you belong to Him, but what does it mean if you, if you belong to Him? We're part of His body. We're His children. Good. Right. How do we know that? He's claimed us through the sealing of the Holy Spirit. But to say that we belong to Him, it means that we call Him Lord. We are His... I know this is not a fancy word, not a good word to bring up these days, but we are His slaves. I'm cool with that. We are... um, Paul uses the term bond servants. Right? You are a slave to Christ. And the slave to Christ is the most free person in the world. When Adam and Eve, before they disobeyed God, they were His servants. And they were free. But as soon as they turned from him, they knew what the slavery of sin was all about. And they had a taskmaster that was going to destroy them. But they're free in Christ. Okay? So he says, those who belong to him. It means that he has a claim on you. The Lord is 
my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in the green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. I'm his sheep. You see? He, I have his name. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He's put a claim on me. I'm his sheep. I belong to him. I am his belonging. I am his possession. You see how that works? And what it's saying is, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That goes back to the passage that he, he had for us there earlier where he said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but the Christ that lives in me and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I belong to him. I died with him on the cross. He claimed me. He actually claimed me when he was dying on the cross. He was thinking of you and pouring his blood out to pay for every sin that you've ever committed 2,000 years before you ever drew a breath on this earth. Hallelujah. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Right? If you read the high priestly prayer, he said, I do not pray just for these, but for all of those who are going to believe by what these guys preach. Right? He prayed for the apostles, and then he prayed for all of those who would believe because of the apostles' message. We were covered in that prayer 2,000 years ago. And he claimed us on that cross, and we died with him on that cross. And once He regenerates you, once He saves you, once He gives you that new heart, and once He fills you with His Spirit, you are His. And He, what it said, no man will pluck them out of my hand. Isn't that what He said? No man's going to pluck them out of my hand. And so, if you are His, if you belong to Him, then you are to die to self and live for Christ. So what I thought I would do, um, I want to look at just a couple examples of dying to self and living for Christ. Um, I, I just want to use two examples here. Um, let's go, because we won't have much time. Turn with me to Luke 23. Luke chapter 23. And let, let's look at verses 26 through 43 for just a minute. Luke 23, verses 26 through 43. Everybody there? It says, When they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. So Jesus had been beaten. He had, his blood had been drained out. He didn't really have the strength to carry his own cross. So they hired, They basically didn't hire him. They, they grabbed a guy out of the crowd and said, Hey, carry his cross for him. And they, the, following him was a large crowd of people and women who were mourning and lamenting. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me. Weep for yourself and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when the tree is dry? Basically, the, the nation of Israel was rejecting their Messiah. And he had already told his disciples in Matthew 24, he said... Um, the time is coming when the, there will not be a stone left in this temple. It's going to be torn down and destroyed and flee the city when you see the persecution coming. And that's exactly what happened in, in 70 A.D. in Rome. The Romans came in and literally wiped them out. And so Jesus said, don't cry for me. Cry for yourself. You are the one that have that judgment coming wow. now. 
And he said, and if they'll do this to me when, when I'm alive and with you, what are they going to do when I'm gone? And so he says this, um, two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with them. All right, so we want to look at these guys. Um, so Jesus, uh, it says verse 33, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other one on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing his garments among them. So, who is it that Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing? Um, I would be willing to tell you that it's all of those that he's fixing to die to save. All right? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The people killing him? Yeah. It could be the crowd that's killing him, gambling for his clothes. Um, it could be uh, the, the crowd around him, the ones that are mourning for his loss. Or it could be for me and you. Wow. You see? Amen. So, who does God's grace, who is it offered to? It's offered to all. It's given to those who receive it. Okay? So he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Um, Jesus, so they were dividing his clothes up. In verse 35, the people stood by looking. Even the rulers were sneering at him. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is the Christ, the God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, come unto him, offering him sour wine. We go down. I want us to look at uh, the, the two criminals. Verse 39. One of the criminals who was hanged there was hurling abuse at him. And saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And if we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Right? So he's having a conversation with these two guys on the cross. The one guy looks at him and said, If you really are the Savior, then save yourself. And while you're at it, get us off of here too. And I can't tell you the number of people and the number of times in my own personal life, this is something that I've done in the past too. Oh God, help me get sober. Oh, God, get me out of this financial strait that I'm in. Oh, God, these lab reports have come back. And it's not good. Please heal me. And all of those prayers are basically saying the same thing that this guy was saying. Save me too. I don't deserve to be here. But he did, didn't he? He was a thief. And the cross was capital punishment. And he was getting his, what's the word? His just just due. He was getting paid what he deserved. And what was his attitude towards it? Save me. He didn't repent. Save me. Get me off this cross. I don't deserve this. I want you to keep your finger right here. Turn with me back to Genesis 4 really quick. Y'all remember the story of Cain and Abel? Alright, let's listen to Cain real quick here. Watch what Cain says in Genesis chapter 4. Uh, we want to go to verse... 
11 or 9. The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? It's not my day to babysit him. It's not my day to keep up with him. I'm not his babysitter. I'm not his, I'm not his keeper. And God said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to the ground for me. So, from now on, you are cursed from the ground. He was a farmer. You're cursed from the ground, which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, You ready? My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me away from this day from the face of the ground. And for your face, I will be hidden. And I will be a vagrant. And I will be a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. What did he deserve? Your brother's blood is crying out of the ground to me. What is it that Cain deserved? Death. And in God's grace, he still spared him. And all through that story, before he ever killed his brother, God continually came. Sin's desire is to control you, to rule over you, but you must rule over it. He constantly kept coming to Cain. Cain, why is your face falling? Why are you angry? If you would do the right thing, would I not be pleased? Reminds me of my parents. If you'd have just done what I told you to do, you wouldn't be in trouble. That's what God's saying to Cain. But Cain constantly rejects that. And it's all about Cain. And that selfishness is the very thing that caused him to kill his brother. And so it all started with a sacrifice, didn't it? Cain came to God with the proper sacrifice. Cain came to God with the proper sacrifice, with the attitude of God, this deserves to be me. Here's the best I got. The fattest, the best I have. And it deserves to be me that dies, not this this lamb. Cain came to God. Here, God, here's some fruit. See what I did? I grew it. Here, I worked for this. Here. What What did Abel do? He allowed something that he loved very much to die in his hands. And what did God do? He was pleased with it. What about Cain? Here, God, here's what I got to give you. Here's my sacrifice. Here's my works of the flesh. Here's me. Here's what I'm doing. And God was not pleased. Why? Because he was walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. And so God kept reaching out to him in grace, reaching out Cain, 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 Cain. And the whole time, Cain continued to walk away from him. And what does it say there at the end? It says, and then he, uh, in verse. Um, 16, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod. That word Nod means the land of wandering east of Eden, away from paradise. He chose to live for himself and he walked away from God and received eternal death for it. You see how that works? And all he would have had to have done was crucified self. Cain, if you just do the right thing, 
do my will instead of your will, will I not be pleased? And see, the person who belongs to Christ has a heart that desires to please Him, not themselves. Now that old man is still around. I ain't going to lie to you. But through the grace of God, through the power of His Spirit, through walking in His Spirit and, and obeying His Word and yielding to Him in your life, to crucify in the old man that you used to be, the new man comes to life. And it's a lifelong process. It's not just going to be the six, eight months you're here. It's going to be the rest of your life. And so, really quick, i got like two, a couple more minutes left. Um, I, I, I want you to think now back to those two men on the cross. What did the one say? Save me! What did the other man say? We deserve to be here. This man has done nothing wrong. He was willing to own his guilt, wasn't he? He was willing to say, it's not about me, but look at him. He's never done anything wrong. And there he is hanging on that cross. And so to finish the lesson, I want you to think about this. Go back to what Paul said. I am crucified with Christ. Were you hanging on that cross with Him that day? Do you belong to Him? Did He claim you with His blood on that cross? Has He ripped that heart of stone out of you? Washed you clean from all of your sins? Given you a heart of flesh and filled you with His Spirit? Well then, live for Him. And walk in His Spirit. And crucify the old man. I'll finish with this quote from a famous theologian named John Owen. He said this, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. And, and how do we kill it? We crucify it on the cross with Christ. He died to pay for all of your sin. Paul warned us, do not take advantage of his spilt blood and trample his blood under your feet. Yes, ma'am. Paul said it in, in the book of Hebrew. Uh, I don't know. Oh, to John Owen. Oh, John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Crucify the flesh. Crucify the old man that you used to be and walk in the spirit and glorify God and not yourself. So that's what the crucified life is all about. And so be honest. The last couple of weeks we had the Passion Week and we all learned all that. And, and we talked about Jesus being nailed to the cross and, and up from the grave He arose and we talked about the resurrection. And two weeks out from Easter, or a week, not even a week out from Easter, and we're already all walking right back in our old patterns of thought and life, not even thinking about it. You, you see what I mean? And it's a constant battle. It's going to be a constant battle in your life to either live for Him or live for yourself. And so I want to thank you guys for your time tonight. I hope that this gives you something to think about and something to meditate on. And uh, just remember, His grace will do that work for you. You just die to the old person that you used to be and live for the person that He's made you to be. Amen? Amen. Father, thank You for this time together. Thank You for this chance to study Your Word and to think about the seriousness of what it means to belong to You what it means to walk in the Spirit and walk in Your Spirit and to know Your love and Your joy and Your peace and Your patience and Your joy and Your long-suffering. Forgive us, because each and every one of us in this room, we definitely take advantage of Your love and Your grace all the time. And we need to be constantly reminded 
of what you did on that cross for us because it's only through the power of your work on that cross and through your intercession for us uh, on the throne that gives us the strength and the ability to be the people you've created us to be instead of the people that this world's trying to make us into. Lord, I do pray for each and every man and woman in this room that you are continuing to um, heal them in their minds, their bodies, souls, and spirits, helping them to focus on uh, their, your purpose for their life and help them to focus on you and you alone. So uh, please let your peace rest heavy on this house. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.